all your college football needs, check out GoForTheTwo.com. Get the latest with college football insider Joe Lisi only at GoForTheTwo.com. Welcome to this edition of the Weekly Blitz. I'm your host, Joe Lisi. This is part of the Go for the Two Network. Today's show is sponsored by Jersey Pump. Are you a gladiator or a spectator? Step into the arena of life at jerseypump.com. So much going on in the college and pro football world. We're about three months away from the start of the 2015 college football season. But so much attention to the negative in college and pro sports that we're going to be joined today by a very special guest. He had an outstanding career in the SEC, playing for Auburn, was a first-round draft pick in 1998 by the Cincinnati Bengals, went on to just an outstanding 15-year career in the NFL, played for the Bengals, Bills, Philadelphia Eagles, San Francisco 49ers, and San Diego Chargers, became a two-time All-Pro a two-time Pro Bowler, accumulated 1,423 tackles in this outstanding career, 29 quarterback sacks, 19 interceptions, and 15 forced fumbles. This guy, when he played the game, played with such great intensity and heart, does so much outside the game that that's what I love about the show is that the players that give back to the communities, the the players that are doing good uh, for football and have given back two younger athletes in other countries and helping those around them through the game of football. That's what I admire. We're going to be joined today in a little bit by former first-round draft pick Takeo Spikes from Auburn, ended his career with the Chargers, but this guy still can play the game, played for San Francisco, played with Patrick Willis, played with some great, great players throughout his 15-year career in the NFL. But not only that, he gives back outside the game, and that's what I admire. He's affiliated with a foundation called the Jack Brewer Foundation based out in Minneapolis that does so much within the communities. They strive to a self-sustaining initiative, offering educational opportunities and economic development in partnership with underprivileged people around the world, not just in the United States, but around the world. And Takeo and a, a, a bunch of other athletes took part in a trip to Haiti where they helped out uh, much-needed people of Haiti in terms of support, financial support. The foundation helped raise a million dollars to the country of Haiti, and Takeo took part, along with other athletes, in helping younger athletes learn about the game of football, younger children who uh, don't have the opportunity to learn about this great sport. He took part, gave his time, gave his uh, energy gave what he brings, and this and, and that's what I admire about Takeo Spikes. What he brings outside the game, because when you look at him, still could play, in my opinion, in the NFL. The guy is jacked up, a weight room type of guy, and just admire his great work uh, outside the NFL and what he has done throughout his career. And we'll talk to him in a couple of minutes. But just to touch base, Ever Golson should 
be making his decision about where he will play this coming season, and it should be very interesting. We've mentioned it on the show with Corey Allen, a number of teams involved in the mix. One of those teams, the Florida State Seminoles, who lose quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner Jameis Winston to the NFL. Will they be the, the front runner for Everett Golson's services? A team like Georgia has been mentioned. Solid, solid offensive line, one of the best offensive lines in the country. Four of those five starters coming back from last year. John Theus, their outstanding tackle, leading the way. Three-headed monster at running back. You talk about Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, and Keith Marshall all coming back. And you look at the wide receiver position, unbelievable. When you think about it, Malcolm Mitchell, Justin Scott, Wesley comes back. Reggie Davis comes back. Jeb Blazevich, the tight end, comes back. Tons of offensive weapons for Brian Schottenheimer, the new offensive coordinator, and head coach Mark Richt. The only missing piece of the puzzle could be a solid, experienced quarterback. There's a quarterback battle going on throughout spring ball that will probably take place if Everett Golson doesn't throw his hat into the ring in Athens. It'll be between Bauda and Bryce Ramsey. So who's going to get that starting nod? We'll, we'll have to see. But it'll be very interesting if Everett Golson decides to take his talent to Athens. Another team being mentioned is South Carolina and Steve Spurrier. Golson from the South Carolina area. We'll see if he actually does, in fact, pick the Gamecocks. Another team being mentioned prior to Notre Dame mixing that was Texas and Charlie Strong. That will not happen now because Texas opens up their season against Notre Dame. Brian Kelly and the staff told Everett Golson he cannot transfer to a school on the 2015 schedule for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So you can delete the Texas Longhorns out of there. But another team being mentioned that hasn't really come to fruition in terms of a lot of talk in the last couple of weeks is LSU. He got got a lot of hype earlier in the season when Brandon Jennings and uh, Davis uh, took part in in the quarterback battle. But it should be very interesting to see how it plays out this coming fall, because LSU and Les Miles, solid, solid offense. They have Malachi Dupree, Doral at the wide receiver position. They have Leonard Fournette, freshman phenom running back that came on with Nick Chubb. You're talking about two dynamic running backs in the SEC between Nick Chubb from Georgia and Leonard Fournette from LSU. So should be very interesting should Everett Colson go to LSU and Baton Rouge with the Mad Hatter. They lose John Chavis, but pick up Kevin Steele, uh, defensive coordinator now for the LSU Tigers, and Ed Ogeron. So should be very interesting to say the least which team Everett Golson decides to play for because, in my opinion, I think Everett Golson experienced. I know he had turnover issues in 2014, but I don't think it's all on his shoulders. Uh, I know Brian Kelly was not satisfied with uh, his progression and development in the passing game, but this is a guy that had the Fighting Irish out to a 6-0 record prior to losing that game to Arizona State So uh, and Florida State. They had Florida State on the ropes. They should have beaten Florida State if it wasn't for that call. So this was a, a team that had glimpses of greatness in 2014. Everett Goldson, 29 touchdown passes. He's a dual-threat quarterback. He, he progressed unbelievably last season in the passing game, took another step. 
something that we didn't see in his first year in Notre Dame when he led them to a national championship game against A.J. McCarron and Nick Saban in that championship game. Unbelievable strides that he took last season. Had two big play wide receivers, Corey Robinson and William Fuller. But Eric Olson's a dual-threat quarterback. He's a quarterback that can stretch the edge, put a lot of pressure on the perimeter of opposing defenses. You have to account for Ever Golson, not just with his arm, but with his legs, when he breaks contain. So it's something that defenses are going to have to really adjust to because he keeps his eyes downfield and he can locate open receivers. He's not just an inexperienced quarterback. He's a big-game quarterback that had played at an elite level stepped up in big games, played very well against Florida State, started off shaky against Arizona State, brought that team back. They were down 34-3. to Everett Goldson had them back to within 34-31. to then the, then the interceptions took over and turnovers took over. But he brought that team back. He had the resolve to bring that team back from a large deficit. So I think he's an experienced quarterback. Is he top quarterback in the nation? Not in my opinion, but he's top 10. I think he's a quarterback that can really bring a lot to whatever team he brings, goes to. And if he goes to a team like Georgia that already has a solid offensive line, has solid experienced wide receivers, and has possibly the best running back tandem trio in the nation, he can be an added dimension for new offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer. You have to remember, you look at Georgia last year, you look at their progression. Fifth-year senior quarterback Hudson Mason struggled a little bit out from the gate. I don't think Mike Bobo put a lot on his plate because he knew that the strength of Georgia overall last year was the offensive line, was Todd Gurley, was the freshman that they had on the scene, Isaiah McKenzie, who broke onto the scene, not only as a slot receiver, but as a punt returner. Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, who came right out of the gate in week one and, and added depth to that offense. So I think that when you look at what Mike Bobo did with Hudson Mason, sort of brought him along. The one thing I, I disagree with when you look at Georgia's season is that game against Florida, I felt like they should have opened it up a little bit earlier. That's where I feel if I have one knock on Georgia overall last year, it was in that game against Florida. They jumped up 7 nothing, and then that was it. There was a problem. Once they, be, once they fell behind in the fake field goal uh, by Will Muschamp and the Gators took the lead, Georgia didn't respond, and I felt like they could have put a lot more pressure on that Florida Gators secondary a Gator secondary that, in my opinion, was suspect at that particular time. And they waited until they fell behind by an unbelievable margin, 20 points, and really had a fight by that time. The game was over. And then they opened it up with Hudson Mason. You look at the following week against Kentucky. Hudson Mason had his best performance, four touchdown passes, utilized Jeff Blazevich, utilized Chris Connolly, utilized those wide receivers. Nick Chubb had a great day. So I think that that's what you can see if Everett Golson's involved in the mix. He brings a different dynamic. He's not a drop-back quarterback. He's a mobile quarterback that can roll outside the pocket, that can throw on the run, that can really put a lot of pressure on the edge 
of opposing defenses. So that's something that we're going to have to see how it plays out. I know Alabama's involved in the mix. Now, there's an interesting scenario when you think about Alabama overall. You look at the quarterback situation last year. It was between Jake Coker and Blake Sims. Blake Sims took over and just led the Alabama Crimson Tide to one of the most prolific offensive outputs in Tuscaloosa ever. Threw for 3,400 yards. Unbelievable. Now, he, he did, in fact, have some problems with turnovers as well. But same type of quarterback like Edward Golson, mobile, keeps his eyes down the field, puts pressure on the edge. Now, Blake Sims, a little bit better of a pocket pass. He could stay in the pocket. I think he was a little more polished than Edward Golson in that regard. But in terms of big-game quarterbacks, Edward Golson, big-game quarterback. Will he decide to go – to Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin in Tuscaloosa would be very interesting, very interesting, because no matter what team Everett Golson decides to go to this year, they're going to need a quarterback, and they're going to be struggling from that area. So Everett Golson will be an immediate upgrade to that team, whether it be Georgia, whether it be South Carolina, whether it be Alabama, whether it be FSU, there will be a significant upgrade in terms of quarterback play on whichever team Everett Colson decides to go for. So that's that's the thing that we have to see. What team will Everett Colson play for in 2015? Will it be a top 10 contender? The one team that's not really considered a top 10 contender is South Carolina, the only reason why he might go to Steve Spurrier and the Gamecocks is he's a South Carolina kid. So that's going to be the interesting factor for Everett Olsen. I'm curious to see where he plays this year. Should be very, very interesting. So I don't know. I don't know where he, where he's leaning because I've heard – Multiple reports that Everett Golson has been linked to another a number of teams. So, in my opinion, I, th- I think best fit is Georgia fan. I know we can go to LSU, but if he has any opportunity to play for a national championship immediately, you would have to say Georgia over LSU. And that's not a knock on the Tigers. You know, I'm very, very high on what Les Miles and that coaching staff does. They bring out NFL players each and every year. I think when you look at the NFL talent that they've had on the team, I think that's where you have to question. But without further ado, I want to welcome in our special guest today. He had an outstanding career at Auburn, became a number one draft pick, outstanding 15-year career in the NFL. I want to welcome in Takeo Spikes. Takeo, how are you today? Outstanding. Doing very good today. What about you? I'm doing well. We'll get into your college and pro career in a little bit, but I know you're affiliated with an outstanding organization called the Jack Brewer Foundation, which does an outstanding job within uh, the state of Minneapolis and uh, Minnesota out there and gives so much back to the community. I know you had a recent trip uh, to Haiti. Talk to me about your affiliation with the Jack Brewer Foundation and the recent trip to Haiti in terms of raising money for that much-needed country. 
Uh, well, first of all, me and Jack have been we we have been friends since oof years. Uh, I met him when I first came into the league, and uh, he's also been a big brother not only to to me but to a lot of guys who came into the league after him. Uh, because one thing that he exemplifies is uh, it don't matter what you accomplish, it don't matter uh, what you may achieve. At the end of the day, you will be judged by what you do for someone else, what legacy that you leave. And with that, he started the Jack Brewer Foundation. And not only myself, but several other athletes, uh, we went down to Haiti uh, to not only spread awareness of what's going on or the lack of what's not going on. And we went to go get our hands dirty. Uh, we, we held a camp with some of the underprivileged kids down there, football camp to introduce them to the game of football. But uh, more than anything, took time out of our days to, to go spend time with some of the ones who are just mentally hurt from a physical standpoint also at the hospitals, uh, little kids who don't have the necessary care to be able to make it. Uh, it was mind-boggling because I ran into a few babies. Uh, wasn't even six, seven months old. They were left out on the front doorstep because they had a deficiency, whether or not they didn't have any limbs or uh, they had a disease and the parents didn't even know that they could have could take care of their kid because they have other kids at the households who health that are healthy. Uh, so it was it was a uh, it was an awakening call. It's incredible when you talk about media perspective because I always admire and always have guys on the show that give back to the community and really admire the work that you do outside the game of football because I think you're a true testament and inspiration to young and older athletes of all ages for what the game of football what the game of football has brought you and then what you've done outside the game. You had an outstanding career at Auburn and uh we'll we'll talk about our six degrees of separation in a little bit, but um and, and then took it number one draft pick, fifteen year career in the NFL and the way you played the game really admired your intensity and work ethic, kept your body in tip top shape, played the game clean and just really admired everything about your career and then to give back outside the game, in my opinion, is just unbelievable that there's so much athletes, so many more athletes doing what you're doing, but the, the media concentrates on the negative all the time. You want to talk to me a little bit about that and, and your feelings about the subject? I, I think it's, it's two things that people need to understand. Uh, we take it for granted. And the two words is perception and reality. Uh, the perception is whatever you see, whatever that can sell magazines, that whatever that can sit people down for a few minutes out of their day to captivate their mind to, so someone can form an opinion to where it can be talked about amongst other people, that's the perception. And that usually comes with the bad stigmatism behind an athlete or anything that's bad in this world. Uh, they will not tell the entire story, but it's something that will sit you down just to make you have a conversation and so you can form a judge and opinion on someone else. The reality of it is, is what I just finished talking about, is that even though we have uh, all responsibilities to do everything else in our lives, uh, the reality of it is, is we take time out of our busy schedules because we do care and like I said, you're not going to be judged at the end of the day 
the legacy that you leave is not about what you accomplish. It's how you're helping out the next person, the next man or woman to be able to get through their journey. And that's the biggest legacy that you can leave, and that's the reality that people really don't want to accept sometimes as far as putting it out there in the media because uh, I'm part of the media myself. And a lot of times we want to get caught up on things that we can go back and forth. We can have callers call in to talk radio and express their opinion because at times, uh, you know, <laughs> we all want to voice our opinion and everybody want to make it seem as if their voice matters. And I know it doesn't. <laughs> That's great. If you could talk, if there's one thing that you could talk to younger athletes now making the transition from high school to college and college to the NFL, what is the one piece of advice that you would give them to a successful career on and off the field? It's, oh, it's so, to nail it down to one thing, I don't know. I would just say, Never feel entitled because the time that you walk into a door, regardless of whatever you may have accomplished or what you have accomplished in the past, nothing else matters because every day is a new day. And if you want to get the respect of not only your coaches but the peers, you have to do it consistently over and over and over again because, uh, let's be honest, Anybody can go out there. I wouldn't say anybody, but an athlete can go out and have a great performance one time. Uh, but as Charles Barkley told me back in 1995 when I first met him, he said, as an athlete, always remember, you are what you repeatedly do. And that always stuck with me before I took my talents to Auburn. And that would be the one piece of advice that I would give to younger guys to this day that – not one single performance will make or break you. If you want to become great, if you want to become legendary, it's all about consistency. That's great. That is incredible. And I, I think that's just exemplifies your work ethic as a professional inside the NFL and outside now working with the media. I want to talk to you about the six degrees of separation. You mentioned Auburn. I happen to be personal friends with your former Auburn coach, Terry Bowden, from our days at ABC. And I don't know if you're familiar, but I do co-host a show with a former Georgia Bulldog that couldn't be with us today, Corey Allen, uh, who played for the University of Georgia from 1994 through 1997, have uh, had your former friends on, Robert Edwards, Terrence Edwards, uh, talking about Georgia football and Talk to me about your days at Auburn, uh, the relationships with your teammates, guys like Damian Craig, guys like Fred Beasley, uh, Rusty Williams, one of my personal favorites, just to name a few. And, and the fact of how the SEC has dominated throughout the years. I just think it's, uh, it's uh, I, I don't, you know what, I, I contribute a lot of the football, the quality of football that we play in the SEC is that guys from the South, we stick together. And if you ask a lot of guys who have made it to the league, even in college and played at a high level, I guarantee you the response that you will get is that all of the guys probably started playing around the age of seven, eight, nine years old in, in recreational leagues. And I think from that, 
when you have it at a young age and you continue to play and you play with the same guys over and over again, uh, it cannot help but help you develop, number one. But number two, when you go against the guys and you see guys who are better than you, that's when the true competitor comes out. So I think regardless of if Corey went to Georgia, Robert Edwards went to Georgia, Hines Ward went to Georgia, I went to Auburn, Rusty Williams went to Auburn, we all know each other, and at the end of the day in the off season, we live for that day to where we can walk up to each other and say, you know what, we whoop y'all ass on that Saturday or that Sunday. And that's what drives that, That's incredible. Corey did want me to ask you about that rivalry because uh, obviously, as we know, that Georgia did get the best year in 1996, but you ended your career on just an, a solid note. You played in the SEC championship game against Peyton Manning, won your, won your bowl game against Clemson, became the uh, Peach Bowl MVP. But you look at your university now, played in the national championship uh, with Cam Newton, got back uh, against Florida State in 2013, a little bit of an off year. When you look at this university overall and you look at Auburn, Entering 2015, your your personal thoughts about your former alma mater? I think we're headed in the right direction. And what's exciting for me is that we have Will Muschamp back on the, on the Plains. Uh, he has Georgia ties as well as Auburn ties in previous years. That's one. Uh, I'm excited to see Jeremy Johnson, our new quarterback, is coming up because uh, it's been a while since we've had a true pocket passer at Auburn. And I think he is the guy that midway through the season, I guarantee you will hear every analyst everywhere <laughs> talking about this guy. I think he's special. And now he's finally waited his turn to play, and hopefully he can just keep that up. It should be interesting. He's a big guy, and I know that there were rumors about Duke Williams possibly transferring. He now said that he'd stay. He's the big play wide receiver now that Sammy Coates moved on to the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I had the opportunity to meet Sammy in person at the Maxwell Football Awards ceremony. Just an outstanding kid, in my opinion, has a huge upside. Any opinion about how Sammy's game translates to the NFL? Well, when I look at Sammy, I I see one person in mind. I'm not saying he plays the same way or he's the same type of talent. But when I look at Sammy, I see Terrell Owens because he's a guy I played against Terrell in college. They both have some of the same similar attributes. Uh, I'm talking about the exact same similar at this time right now. I think what's going to separate Sammy is the system that he will be put in and then the determination of how hard he wants to work in order to become that number one guy. Uh, Because everybody is talented when you get to the next level, but you have to find your niche and understand this is what I do well, and I have to make the play when they call on me. That is what's going to separate him from everybody else. I agree with you. I think he's a steal. They got him in the third round, and what he does off the field, the, the story with Kenzie Ray, the young girl out in Birmingham that he met at one of the games and how he gives back reminds me a lot about how, how you've played and what you've done off the field. Just a great, great character in terms of Sammy Coates, and I think he's going to have an outstanding career in the NFL. 
I want to ask you two more questions before I let you go, and I want to thank you again for joining me. I know you had the opportunity to play with Patrick Lewis and interview him, and you, you played 15 years in the NFL at the linebacker position, getting hit on each and every play, and you see uh, Patrick Lewis, who after uh, – uh, an outstanding career in the NFL decides to retire a, a linebacker like Chris Borland at the top of his, his game, decide to call it quits in, in the NFL. Any particular thoughts about uh, these players and outstanding players in their own right, but their decisions to end their careers maybe earlier than others might've thought. I, I just think with Patrick, he said it earlier in the interview that I conducted with him with the one-on-one exclusive, he just felt like the passion wasn't there anymore because of the injuries that he sustained. Uh, and over the course of a period of time, he he accomplished a lot. Uh, but when you don't have your feet, you're not able to play the way that you're normally uh, able to play. And I think that bothered him more than anything. Uh, that's the reason why. Uh, with Chris Borland, uh, to my understanding, that he was really contemplating re- retiring before he even played his first snap in the NFL. Uh, so, you know, for me, when I look at it, I don't look at it as, wow, what is going on? Because we have to keep in mind all of the guys who came before the Chris Bull and Patrick Willis, including myself, you know, the, the unfortunate about Dave Doris and Junior Steyer, all of the guys who, you know, sad to say that they took their lives. Something was going on, and I think now these guys, the younger guys now, bringing more awareness to what's going on around this league because, you know, as long as you think 15 years is playing in the league for me, which it was a long time, we have to keep in mind as players, you have a lot of living left to do, more living left to do after football is over. And so you have to judge, do you want quality of life? of the quantity of money. And that's what it boils down to. That's a great point. And, and in my opinion, I think it's up to them. I mean, it's their career. They lay it on the line each and every week. And if they feel like the, the, the intensity is not there, you know, in order to play this game at an elite level, you have to be all in. Or if you're not all in, that's when injuries happen. So I agree with both players. If that's what they felt in their heart that they needed to do, they're the ones that are laying it on the line. And I don't have a problem with them uh, retiring from the game. Is there is there one guy in this NFL draft that you've had an opportunity to watch on the defensive side of the ball that you really feel epitomizes the way you played the game? In my opinion, I think it's linebacker uh, from the University of Miami, Denzel Perriman, just a guy that's all over the football field. Reminds me the way you played the game with high intensity and and just heart and in every play. Is there one guy that you watch that you really uh, admire the way he plays the game? I I saw Denzel a few times. I had the opportunity to work with him when he came out training in South Florida with Tony Villani at XPE Sports. The thing I loved about Denzel is his mentality. And I know Ray Lewis set the standard for the linebackers at UM. And he comes out with that same type of intensity all the time when he plays. And from a mental standpoint, uh, we all know that you're talented to play in the game once you're drafted, but what's going to separate you is the mentality that you have when you step out each and every day, even when you don't feel like it. And I think he does a great job 
of bringing that to the table with him. And so I look forward to seeing him play. I do, too. I think he's going to be a great, great addition to the San Diego Chargers. Takeo, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me today. It's always a pleasure. Corey and I would love to have you on as the season creeps closer. Maybe talk about Georgia-Auburn as we get a little bit closer to the SEC season starting. I just want to thank you. I'm going to put all of your information up on the website and get it out to just everybody I know because I really admire the work that you and the Jack Brewer Foundation are doing doing within the community. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot, Takeo. Always always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay. That was former standout from the NFL, Takeo Spikes. This guy, unbelievable talent on and off the field. What he does in the community is unbelievable. He's a gamer, played his career that way, never heard anything about Takeo Spikes, always in tip-top shape, and what he does outside the community. It's incredible. You heard what he said in 1995. Charles Barkley told him, and be a role model. And I admire Charles Barkley because he's another guy that played the game with intensity, a role model outside the game. I, some can argue. I think Charles Barkley, unbelievable talent. Gives back, does the right thing, and Takeo Spikes, another guy, that just is the epitome of what a role model and athlete is. Because he had an outstanding career, and we'll go through the numbers again, 1,423 total tackles, 29 quarterback sacks, 19 interceptions, and 15 forced fumbles. This guy, unbelievable talent. He said that he wasn't aware of the situation out in Haiti in terms of when he got there, it really brought a lot to his attention. Stuff that maybe wasn't brought up by the media. And I'm going to put all this information up on the website, the Jack Brewer Foundation, based out in Minnesota. They're in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They do a a ton of work within the United States and outside the United States, helping others, helping impoverished people with much-needed help. And that's what the NFL does. It doesn't just bring paychecks. It builds foundations where players and organizations give back. And I know that we concentrate on the fleet gate and we concentrate on uh, all the negatives a, a lot of times, and that's what the media does. But there are a ton of NFL and college players that are doing great work within society. And that's what I love about the show right now is that we have the opportunity to interview these people and we have the opportunity to hear their stories and see how the game of football allowed them to reach others through their playing days. And I love the game of football, college, pro, high school, peewee. That's what the game signifies and represents to me. It's unbelievable, but Chaos Spikes, just an outstanding career. When you look at, look at his outstanding career, this guy brought it. I mean, number one draft pick, Cincinnati Bengals, played for the Bills, Eagles, 49ers, San Diego Chargers, two-time pro bowler, two-time all-pro. He became the Peach Bowl MVP, a dominating performance over Clemson, 21-17, 1,423 tackles, 15-year career playing linebacker. You look at him right now, he's 6'2", 242 pounds. This guy looks like he could still play. I wish the Dolphins pick him up right now. They need defensive linebacker help. He should sign a one-year contract with the Fish. Unbelievable. But just great insight and information from him. 
Love having him on the show. He's an Auburn guy, and we've had a number of Auburn and Georgia guys on the show. And I can tell you this. Every single one of them are quality people, quality guys, not just on the field, off the field. They give back to the community. They're mentors. They're big brothers. They're, they're, they're talking to younger athletes in, in college and high school and telling them how to keep their nose clean and, and walk the right way because they are under a microscope playing big-time college and pro football. They mentor athletes. They give back to their communities through public speaking and foundations. Just incredible, incredible. And that's all the athletes that have been on the show. Every guy that's been on the show has a story that somehow is told but isn't brought to the forefront. And that's something that needs to be done throughout the media. You want to concentrate on the negative, that's fine. But you better be talking about the positive as well. Can't be a one-way street all the time. Can't just be negative. And I'll say this about the flakegate. I don't want to get into that, but I'll just say this. If they're going to make an ex- Tom Brady the guy, the fall guy, and I, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I will say this. If that's what they're going to do, then the NFL and Roger Goodell better test every football, and, and they better get Everybody that cheats can't just be Brady and then nobody else. We're not going to have another story. They better change the way the balls are brought in. They better change the way the teams handle the balls. They better change it all. Because it can't just be Tom Brady. And I'm not saying he's right. But what I'm saying is, okay, you went this far. Now that's it. You're just going to suspend him and we're not going to change policy and procedure. Well, then guess what? I guess Aaron Rodgers, if we find that his balls are overinflated, footballs are overinflated, he better get a suspension too. Because what's good for the goose is good for the gander. That's the way I look at it. So if you're going to get Tom Brady, if Aaron Rodgers has overinflated footballs, guess what? He's suspended two, two, three games as well. How do we know it doesn't have an advantage? It's like it gives him an advantage because it's like the it's like the way he throws the football. He likes it like that. If Peyton Manning does something that's illegal, guess what? He better be suspended four games as well. I don't care if he misses four games. There better be a precedent. Can't be a one-time only offense, and then we'll forget about it for six or seven years, and then that'll be it. It better be a, a changing of the guard. I have no problem with them suspending Brady, but it better be a changing of the guard for Roger Goodell and the NFL. They better change policy. They better change the way the balls, footballs go in, come out, the way the, the players get to handle the footballs and, and practice, the whole thing. Can't just be a one-shot pony, and that's it. But interesting comments from Takeo Spikes. This guy, unbelievable. Unbelievable talent, unbelievable guy, uh, character guy. And you heard him talk about Sammy Coates. We did have some audio issues. I apologize. But just an interesting, interesting, interesting interview with Takeo Spikes. I want to thank you for joining me today. It's always a pleasure talking college and pro football. Stay with me all season long 
on the Weekly Blitz. This is part of the Go for the Two Network. Corey and I will be back on Wednesday. We'll be breaking down great, great shows for you, uh, talking week one college football, talking Everett Golson, talking about what you need to know to get ready for August. Stay with me all season long on the Weekly Blitz. Have a great week, everyone.